0: What's the crack? Welcome back to the Irish Vice Podcast. We're at the kitchen table again with Jacqueline McGuinness. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm tickety-boo.
0: <laughs> so this is just going to be a post uh, badge analysis there, of what we just seen in Man City, folks. So 3-0 again. Erling Haaland given too much time and space for the second Goal, penalty, questionable decision. What did you think of it?
1: Um, first of all, hello everyone. And I thought it was technically technically sorry a penalty. Yeah, I think when I watched it, a soft it in- penalty. But and I agree with um, I think it was Jimmy Carher and don't really very often agree with Jimmy Carter and He says they happen in every match, some are given, some are not, and I think that again is heading at the inconsistency of the referee and and VAR as well. But technically, yes, it was a penalty.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the argument of VAR is one of the most popular conversations that comes up in the Premier League. And if Farr isn't there today, then the referee's initial decision to not see it, not give it you know, what it stood. But you can't really blame Farr on that because it's a soft penalty. But the letter of the law is if you put your hand across somebody and that person goes down, it's a penalty. Now, some referees and some decisions that have gone against us um, this season have decided that those situations aren't penalties. I've seen one where Gabriel basically did the same thing to Rasmus Weiglund, if you remember the Arsenal game, but it wasn't given.
1: But in that in that incident as well, Harry Maguire had his arms all over John Stone, but not enough to warrant a penalty. He did, he grabbed him and then he released him. But I think it was the length of. And then the moment, Rodri played it well.
0: If you look at that passage of play, Rasmus Howell is standing beside John Stones. He's anticipating the header from John Stones. Rodri has come round the back of the group, round the back of everyone, and caught United cold because he's gone for a, a solo run into the box that was unchallenged and unopposed so if you look at Rasmus Heuvelin in that situation he looks and sees the run from Rodri and then decides to tackle him because he knows that Rodri is going to get onto that header that to me impeded Rodri and what could have been a goal scoring opportunity so for me it's a penalty yeah. I can't see it any other way and then you're 1-0 down against the best team in the world and you're expecting a reaction you're expecting something to change in the Manchester United team and it just didn't well I
1: think the first half Moments. The game. We go back to the moments. In the first half, was encouraging. I think the second half was absolutely dire.
0: Yeah, I think if you look at those moments, though, right? And you examine those moments. Manchester United got chances from Manchester City's mistakes. It yeah. took mistakes from Man City for Manchester United to create any sort of opening. But the glaring, obvious failing today was the initial team selection. For me, was baffling. And when that team takes the pitch, it's the same crap that we've been watching now for a couple of weeks. We're back to Erickson Hag's master plan for Manchester United and how he wants that team to play football. And it seems to be playing out from the back and pushing the team around and opening the team up and you know, trying to make these passes and these triangles of play that will get you past and beyond Man City's midfield, past and beyond Man City's defence and into these goal-scoring opportunities. That didn't happen today once. Those chances and moments you're talking about, they were failings from Man City and mistakes. So once again, United are toothless.
1: Yeah, oh, well, okay, I'll go back to the um, Rasmus Highland chance. Yeah. He should have went down. I don't advocate cheating, but the referee, if John Stones held him that time, yeah. and it was he did, and he stumbled. Now, Harry Kane, nine times out of ten, goes down in the penalty box.
0: Yeah, but that's ch- yeah, that chance that that's came from that. a Man City mistake. That was Rasmus Heuvelin's glaring opening moment, his only moment where he looked scoring all game and that came from a misplaced pass from Manchester City that allowed him to run in the back. The only chance and opportunity I can point to that Manchester United created was the one that Marcus Rashford couldn't score, where he got in and he the ball down and it was a bit of a team effort in the end. Um, I don't know, I think Kerry Walker slightly pulled him off but he has no excuse there, he should have scored. But that's the only opportunity that Manchester United created. So what is this man's plan for getting us playing better football? Or does he have one? But it's dire at the minute. What it really is? What do you think needs to change?
1: What I think needs to change are a lot of things. Our style we have no style of play for a start. We're a mashup of a football team at the minute. Some of them want to play counter-attacking football, other want to play possession-based football and it's we're not progressing the ball quick enough.
0: Is so it the manager's fault or the players?
1: Both. But the selection comes down to the manager. And when that selection, when that team sheet was announced today, we all were scratching our head at that.
0: Completely. And I think if he had have come out and said, you know, Raphael Varane is taking a knock and Sergio Rahulian is only coming back from injury, you would have accepted that. You would have understood it. And you would have thought, right, well, here comes the makeshift defence again. But to come out before the game and say that that is a tactical decision... And then watch your tactical decision go to absolute pot on the pitch. Like
1: I hope he hasn't Is he got good enough? Well I just hope he hasn't got one eye in this way. Is it Wednesday be we playing Newcastle? How can he? But that's what I mean. I hope he hasn't. Because I can't see any reason for Rafael Veran to be dropped for today's game.
0: I I think that's really
1: for not to start f- from the start. For not to start from the start, that's yeah. really harsh. But, but for not for really not to be selected, I can't understand that playing Victor Lindelof, um, at left back.
0: I don't think when this you have good a left
1: enough. when well I well he's a left back sitting on the bench.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's good enough. I think he needs to go. Hag. I think he's a great, brilliant manager and a really poor coach. And there's a stark difference. As a man for the decisions in the big moments, when it's a time of crisis, the Ronaldo situation, the Gian Sanso situation, taking that captaincy off Harry Maguire and giving it to Bruno Fernandes, and that's an issue we'll go into later because we have to bring up Roy Keane's comments, I thought he was bang on. But this man cannot coach a group of players to play his way of playing football. Now at Ajax, he was able to do what he did in Europe because he was able to counter-attack the bigger teams and Ajax had brilliant technical players and these players were able to spread the ball over the pitch fair play to him and that was brilliant that worked but he's at a much smaller club he's at a club where not dominating the game is acceptable because you're Ajax but you come to Manchester United and you are it's a requirement of every manager coming through that you should get this team playing a progressive attacking exciting playing style and version of football and a football identity his football identity seems to be what we're seeing on the pitch which is not good enough and then we make these excuses and we turn around and say, oh, but if he had the players, you know, he would have been able to get that team playing right. But what, why are we talking about the players for you, Nick? Like, I, I feel for Arano sat on the bench today.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I still think that um, our backline is one of the big factors.
0: How does improving the backline get Manchester United scoring goals?
1: Where did we finish last year? Third, no last just, year? No, just uh, answer the question. Third. third. Right, and we won a cup, and we got into another final of a cup. Right, yep. who's our back line last year?
0: What, what was well, Oh, I can see that point. That's fair enough.
1: And Casemiro was sitting in front of him when Casemiro yep. was
0: good. But Manchester United scored goals last season at the end of last season to not come, which crap.
1: Because we were heavily reliant on Marcus Rashford last season, and for whatever reason, his form is shocking at the minute.
0: Hundred and ten percent. That's another factor. Sorry. But he's rather fivelin now. He has a striker now. So I we're saying that he couldn't score goals last season when he had a fully fired Marcus Rashford, when he got white and stuff in that team, when Nantes Marshall was fit, you still weren't scoring goals. We're Bruno scoring Fernandez wasn't goals. scoring goals they weren't. And then this season comes around, you've given the man a striker now. Marcus Rashford is the same player that he was last season, whatever has gone wrong. And instead of getting the team playing with a more progressive, more attacking, more goal scoring. He's gone backwards. So how can you explain that to me? Because I can't wrap my head around that. Marcus Rashford saved our season last season. Marcus Rashford's gone off the boil now, and you know they're shit. We are shit. We are so bad on the pitch. Even when we win, it is a hard, hard watch. So how can we not turn around to the manager and go, "What are you doing, mate? What's the plan here?" Do you think honestly think he has the tools in his system to? I am to get it
1: right? sorry, Rory, and we are on two different pages here because I think. When you look at that City team today, right? We are nowhere near City. We are mid-table standard at the minute. We are. And we have to accept that as Man United fans. We are nowhere near the level of Man City. But you look at the progression of the ball from the back, from Man City's defence into midfield. You look at that progression. We were sitting deep today. We were sitting deep because we were... I don't Eric Ten Hag was afraid of the counterattack from City. Because they have the players, the forward lines, to hurt any football team. But you, I know you're not, because maybe I'm not explaining it No, I get what you're saying,
0: but we played deep against Brantford, and we played deep against Sheffield, and we played deep against Copenhagen. And we tried to move the ball up the pitch in the exact same manner. So that's a tactical decision that is being put into this team on the training pitch. So again, back to my point, this lad cannot coach. This, this is a Dutch monitor who has come in and been very good at the big moments and set standards. But when it comes to coaching players to play a playing style on the pitch, either his playing style is just not suited to the Premier League, or he cannot coach his instruction into these players. It's that simple. United do not have a squad that should be as poor in the games that we're seeing as they are at the minute. You can concede that Man City are the best team in the world, so it sounds really harsh coming off the back of this one. But it's not because of that. It's coming off the back of a season of absolutely dismally poor performances. Even the games we've won, it's been awful. The warning signs were there in the Wolves game, that Wolves should have beaten Manchester United the first game oh, of the season. I agree with you, yes. Yep. And now we have the injuries and stuff as an excuse, but I'm sick of those excuses, and I'm sick... Of the crutch that's not... being given to this man to say, oh, but he's had to deal with so much. So what? Coach the players and get something from them.
1: But our injuries have been long term injuries. Martinez, Shaw, to me, are crucial players for that team. Aaron Wampasaka is a much better defender than um, Diego Dallo.
0: Did you watch Arsenal yesterday? I didn't. No. Arsenal made six changes to their recognised starting 11 and they put Chaffany next to the sword. Why well, can't United do that?
1: I know we're struggling even against the so called lesser teams. I agree, I concede your point about Eric Ten Hag and his selection is dire at times and trying to play square pegs and round holes does not work. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. And I mean, t- even today, Bruno Fernandes, Mason Mount, and Christian Eriksson on the pitch at the same time.
0: It's a joke. It's a career suicide. But this is another this is thing that really baffles me with this man. He gets the team in at half time and he has Bruno Fernandes doing absolutely nothing. And he has Christian Eriksson really ineffective in the first half. And who does he seem to blame? Sophie Amrabat now I understand Amrabat did not have a good first half he annoys me in the silly fouls that he gives away I did Scott McTominay no Scott McTominay I fail to even address at this point Scott McTominay was called by Gary Neville on that commentary today Manchester against best midfielder in the last few weeks I mean are you that I don't know British bias oh my god but not even British bias he sort of seems like he always has to bring up the point that these are homegrown players you're if you're a, if you're a academy project player yes. uh, like Scott McComney you can't do anything wrong so a couple of goals seems to solidify your position in the Manchester United team. he can't do anything else but it's yes the he looks like he's going to score but he can't pass the ball so you're sacrificing that has always
1: been and that has to be that key that has to be addressed if Jim Ratcliffe comes in or whoever comes in that has to be addressed that the academy players get a bye because they're academy players Scott McTominay is not good enough if we aspire to be a, a title winning team again. He's not good enough.
0: But he was picked. It's not like he's being picked out is of necessity.
1: Th- I said this to you before the match. It sounds like is a big
0: yazza he- by North Street at the minute, too. So if you can hear the bangs in the background, <laughs> that's fireworks. <laughs> <perfect. laughs> no, we're not sitting
1: in the middle of the It's strip. that
0: time of year. It's two days away from Halloween. It tends to get a bit rowdy around here. But sorry, you, but you were saying.
1: Oh God, I forget what I was going to say now.
0: But yeah, sorry, we're making the point that he picks these players and puts these players onto the pitch. So The
1: the media came out and the media, of course, will spin it, right? And in particular, Gary Neville with the academy players and it's the United Way. And the United Way isn't... The United Way was Alex Ferguson and before that.
0: Yes, Yes, it's
1: lovely to see academy players, if they're good enough, but they're not at the minute. Marcus Rashford is not good enough at the minute. Scott McTominay should not be playing in the first team. Should not be starting for Man United. Why does he? I have no idea.
0: Why do we buy Mason Mount and Scott's daughter today?
1: I have no idea why we bought Mason Mount anyway.
0: Yeah, but who picked? He was picked That's by the manager of the number 7 sure. Yes. His number seven, the most iconic number in Manchester United folklore, given to a player that he can't find a position for on the pitch. He has one of the best number 10s in the world in Bruno Fernandes playing as a right winger. A really ineffective right winger. He has Scott McTominay playing in the first half as United's 10. When he's got Ericsson, Bruno and Mount to play those positions. He is tactically inept. So I really think it's game over for Hag. I expected so much more this season. I know that's very early on and people will say no give him time. But we've seen it with Ollie. We seen it with Jose. You all knew what was coming, but we just wanted to be the, the bigger club. Essentially, we didn't want to become the Chelsea, you, you know, sort of manager in, manager out if they're not performing, sack them. But what I'm seeing on that pitch from those players, oh, he's suffering from injuries, is not an excuse for me anymore.
1: I had such high hopes when he came in at the start, especially the way he dealt with the um, the Ronaldo situation, that Rashford was sitting on the bench because he it, over a disciplinary. Yes. You know, uh, reason. But, um, and I thought, right, this is the manager we need. This is the iron fist that we need. And now, I, I am disillusioned. I'm not as disillusioned as you are. And I would give him more time. But the football is just dire.
0: It's brutal. And, and I don't it's think. It's not entertaining. I don't think players come back into that team are going to help that. And that is why I am Ten Hag. Is it Ten Hag? Yeah, I am. I'm Ten Hag, right? I am. I think as a manager, I said this before. There are two different styles, right? You have managers and coaches. You've got the likes of uh, Ange Postacoglu is a good example of this. Ange Postacoglu came in. He's a good coach. Can't speak for the man as a manager because he's had no hardships to deal with where we can see that test of him. But as a coach, he brought a new system into Tottenham that we had seen at Celtic, and there, there was previous evidence of from other clubs that he had managed. It's the Ange Postacogli way of playing football, and he got that into those lads in a matter of weeks. And what you're seeing from this Tottenham team is what Ange Postacogli envisioned when he came in. It took weeks. Now, we, after a se- after a few games last season, we turned around and said, Erickson Hag is going to have to change things because his way of playing football, these players don't suit it. And that was fair enough, he did. He went into a more counter-attacking style and he conceded possession and stuff to teams in games. And Manchester United got off to a brilliant start. You made the point before, Mark Rashford is a very good player in a counter-attacking system. And that's because we only ever see him perform well when he's in a counter-attacking system. Now, you go into this season and we're meant to be in the year of ten hagball now. We have ten games in the Premier League and three games in the Champions League, to see it. It's been shit. It's awful.
1: It's not entertaining.
0: No, and he's been there yeah. a whole season with these lads more than Ange Postacoglu and Tottenham. But Ange is a brilliant coach. There are enigmas in the world, such as Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola are probably the two strongest examples of this, but they're cracking managers and they deal with all the hardships and the stress and Klopp went through it last year when certain people were calling for his aid and he stood strong and he got it right and he went out and bought the midfield that he has and it's worked out for yeah, Jurgen he Klopp. he
1: had credit in the bank as well.
0: Well, I'm only taking this from last season. So, in the short period of time, right, because we can only talk for the time that Eric Ten Hag's been here. Jurgen Klopp went through a really hard period last season, right, when Eric Hag was sort of succeeding in Manchester United and it was looking good. Klopp weathered that storm, got his midfield together, and then this season when he's gone on it, Liverpool look like they're back in action and Ten Hag has regressed. So, yes, Klopp did have credit in the bank, but Eric Ten Hag has no credit in the bank because he doesn't deserve it. Last season, Manchester United kind of got to where they are. I would argue because Spurs folded under content.
1: The Spurs position. Yeah, really Chelsea nice.
0: were out of the races because of what was going on with Chelsea. They still are largely out of the races at the minute. Um, you had Arsenal and City in a two-horse race, so Manchester United eked into third. And we use this as like the credit in the bank that Everton actually should have. Oh, we won the Carabao Cup. Oh, yes, he, he won. You know, he managed to get in third. I don't mind watching Manchester United playing at the end of last season when Marcus Rashford was going through that wheat dip in form. We were awful. You were watching the Europa League, where Whitehorse was running about, and he was busy Whatever and we came crashing out of it. We never looked like we could get near City in that FA Cup final. It was dire game. So then you go into another transfer window, and you buy in another group of players that this manager wants. He plays 10 games this season, three games in the Champions League, and we're poor game. But we're saying, no, give him time. Give him time to what? What's going to click and change?
1: I don't know if there's any yapping and moaning going on behind the scenes with different individuals not getting game time. Then, as I was discussing with you earlier, uh, when Christian Eriksson did um, an interview with the Danish media, the, it was flagged. I think he flippantly turned around and said, because when someone asked the question, you know, why are you not starting? Why are you not getting picked? And he says, well, ask the manager. So you don't know what is going on with players of Christian Eriksen's ilk, or Bruno Fernandes, or Marcus Rashford, or I'm just naming players not so I'm not going you know, you call think, like individuals,
0: but... Do you think Pep or Klopp would stick players into their team because media is about it?
1: But see, there's where you are. Pep, Guardiola and Klopp, no. But this is the United Way bullshit
0: so if that he's I'm alluding to again. If he's letting that in, is that not another glaring weakness of this manager that he swayed with the media?
1: I don't know. I really, I thought, last year I thought, as I say again, I thought, this is the manager we need. This is the disciplinarian. And now he seems to be, unless the man just couldn't care less anymore.
0: He just can't Unless coach.
1: he wants to be sacked. Unless he's just fed up with it. United politics and.
0: No, I don't think that's it league. at all. He's just not good enough, in my opinion. And that's.
1: But but answer, me, answer me this. Why is Pochettino not coming over uh, under the same scrutiny as Eric Ten Hag?
0: Because it's his first season.
1: Not in the Premier League, it's not,
0: though. No, but it's his first season at Chelsea. You can't turn around and say, oh, he managed a different I team totally in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, uh, and we're talking about talented footballers, you know, playing for Man United, equally talented footballers playing for Chelsea. But you can't so, turn and around Burford and say... beat them at home.
0: You can't turn around and say Eric Van has got his players in Manchester United. he needs to get his team in Manchester United, and he inherited some of these lads and they don't suit his system so he hooked them off, And then turn around and say Pochettino coming in the summer he should be doing better.
1: But you're talking about coaching, Roy. You're talking about a good coach
0: can coach players. Where, where are Chelsea at the minute? Behind us. Oh, 110. But where are they after 10 games? Behind us. So Chelsea have won three, drawn three, and lost four. Was Erton Hag not in the same situation after 10 games last year? We were reeking around the bottom of the table. It looked completely dire. Brentford had demolished us. A few teams had demolished us.
1: That's not my point, though. My point is, why are the media not going after Pochettino the same way they have after They didn't go after her Erickson- Hagen yes after
0: they- 10 games last year. They didn't. Because it was his first season. They're going after him now after 10 games, but it's his second season. You're meant to do better in your second season than your first. In a results-based business, if he was managing a flipping McDonald's and his McDonald's was down money in their second year after a good first year, he'd pull it in and ask what he's doing wrong. He's managing Manchester United and in his second season, they were a far cry away from even what we've seen in the spells last season, and it's all give him time. Time to do what? the man can't coach these players. The tactics are the downfall. If it had been, see if I could see an identity and a tactical playing style of Manchester United that I thought, that resonates with me and I thought, yes, do you know what, I can see what you're doing here, but yes, you don't have the players for it. Then I would give this man the grace and credit you know, that he should be given and the length of time to try and get it right with the right players. But what I'm seeing is pure and utter poor football. It is so bad tactically. He has not got a game plan that I can look at that I think will work in the Premier League. His tactics are to blame. Now his squad selection and all that there are plays into it as well. But what he wants to do for that team is not going to get that team playing to the standard to win the big competitions. And that is why I think this man needs to go. I think it's too soon.
1: I really do. And I think he is trying to implement his tactics but for X number of reasons that the team um, can't follow his instruction. he said it a couple of times, that they're not following instruction on the pitch. And if that was me and I was a manager, I don't care who it is, Bruno Fernandez, be whoever it is, get them off. If you have to replace them with Meshbury or Pallestri or somebody else, get them off.
0: And if those players come on and can't do it? At what point do we turn around and say, hey, it might not be the player here? Actually, is the instruction being given to the I'm player? I'm sorry, per- and it's
1: going to be contentious, right? I want to see Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes dropped for the next X number of games.
0: And then what will be the excuse if he brings in, we'll say Hannibal Levy and no excuse for,
1: There is no excuse for him. Okay. I want those two players dropped. And I want to see players playing in their positions. I don't want to see somebody shunted off to the right when you have Anthony and Plesser sitting on the bench.
0: I agree. I he don't makes those decisions.
1: See, this is what I'm saying. Exactly. So therefore, he's no excuses. But I want to see Rashford and I want to see Bruno Fernandes out of the squad for the next three or four games. I'm not talking drop, dropping them for this Carabao Cup on, on Wednesday. I'm talking three or four games. Stick Garnacho or stick Mount and see how it goes. And let him fall on that sword.
0: Yeah, I, do you know what, I hope that we actually get that because I think the individual player excuse is another one that really, really rags me. The Manchester United are where they are because Bruno Fernandes isn't playing well and Marcus Rashford isn't playing well and they're not following instruction. And it annoys me because their coach should sort that out then. These are very, very good football players. Very good football players. But
1: in his system, or the system that he's trying to implement?
0: It's a nice thought to think that it could be a system issue and that the two boys don't suit... But then he needs to sell them. So if he came in and he seen Bruno Fernandes playing football and he put Bruno Fernandes into this system and this system wasn't going to work. And this will segue into the Roy Keane comments brilliantly because I think Keane is bang on. Why didn't he make him captain? We're talking about a falling on a sword. He makes stupid decision after stupid decision. Bruno Fernandes is a 50-50 in terms of united fans captain because half of us think he is nothing but a yappy wee fucker and that he should shut his mouth in games and just show a bit more you know leadership discipline. a bit more discipline a bit more leadership and then there's the other half that, and i totally get these people's opinion who will see the running and the effort that he put into there and the fighting and the bickering and the stuff that he does you know really really well mm. and they'll say no he should be captain, but. Now you're saying Bruno Fernandes doesn't suit Ten Hag's system. This is the captain of Manchester United. He took the captaincy from Harry Maguire and gave it to Bruno Fernandes and he can't get Bruno Fernandes playing in his system. That's a very, very stupid decision for a top flight monitor.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. Because based on last year, based on last season, he was undroppable. But no player should be undroppable. Not if they're playing like that. What if it's the system? Well then he's not the right man. Because he does not want to play counter attack in football.
0: No, he should. I don't want anybody to come in and play counter-attacking football. Manchester United managers, since Alex Ferguson left, have done the same thing. They've come in, tried to install an uh, attacking progressive style of football and then regress to the counter-attacking football when it hasn't worked out because they want to keep themselves in the job a bit longer. So when we see Hag regress to counter-attacking football, that is when the sack is coming. That's when you'll know this is not the match. And
1: that is the big call that I would make. And that is the point I'm trying to make. Drop Marcus Rashford, drop Bruno Fernandes. But Mount Garnacho, for four games, see how it goes. It can't be any
0: worse score. Um, it can't. It can't.
1: Because it's dire at the minute.
0: But the man had bar Casemiro all of his midfielders there today and all of his attackers and once again he can't score goals. But we're trying to say it's because he's missing a few defenders. I can't get behind that. I don't know what other Premier League manager would turn around and say, look, I know we're not scoring goals and we're shipping a few and stuff, lads, but here, we're trying our best and we don't have our defenders. Like, not having the defence is a valid point. But not being able to score goals is not the issue of the left-back and the centre-back. So this man cannot get goals out of Marcus Rashford, Rasmus Hoivland, Bruno Fernandes, Anthony. Like, he picked Anthony and Rasmus Hoivland. And he picked Mason Mount.
1: But he can't go in the pitch and score goals for them. Now you've seen that, Marcus Rashford should have scored today, would have scored that goal last so season. So sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for whatever reason, whether they get the head staggers in front of goal or, it's, that's nothing to do with coaching.
0: So why are we going to drop Rashford and not then? What's Highland doing more than Rashford? Well
1: in my opinion
0: he works yeah. harder. Out of possession.
1: Out of possession.
0: So we're and back to Whitehorse then. It doesn't matter if the lad There's can't score an, goals. There is
1: a product. There is an end impro- Look, I know you like Marcus Rashford, right? I don't think he's a particularly... I think he's a good enough player, but he's not the superstar that people are making him out to be. I just want... He has not worked hard enough from the start of the season. He doesn't track back. He very rarely tracks back. He very rarely helps out the defence.
0: I he, just don't see how it's Marcus Rashford's fault that this season's going. I don't. Yes, he he should be scoring goals, 110%. Do you
1: think he works hard enough? Rashford? Yeah.
0: Hard enough in terms of what?
1: Do you think, as a team player, he works hard enough?
0: Who was he marking today? Cale Walker? Did Cale Walker contribute? There's no
1: point in me arguing with you over this. His job
0: as a left winger... Why does he stop
1: coming off the pitch for it? Because
0: he's not scoring goals. Because he was the hero of last season, and he's expected to score goals, and he's been poor. Rasmus Hiveland is new into the team and Rasmus Hiveland, there's high hopes for Rasmus so he doesn't have to have a good season this season because he gets away with the excuse that it's my first year in the Premier League but Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford are senior tenured players who are paying poorly and Marcus Rashford gets the abuse now because you're not expecting Rashford to get in form again, which he does he's a form player when the confidence is low and stuff like that he, he just goes off the boil and he's getting booed now because he's not saving us anymore he's not digging us out of these holes he's not scoring the goals
1: but I disagree I think he's getting booed because he's not doing enough he's not but, working enough
0: answer me this this is the point he was going to end me Marcus Rashford was marking Cale Walker today did Cale Walker contribute to the, the three goals so, I mean what, what is the lad doing wrong when we say you're not working hard enough not working hard enough in terms of what because I didn't see too many interceptions tackles or possession wins from Christian Erickson Bruno Fernandez. Even Zofian Amarabad, the fouls. It's called McComney. So these are players that are playing deeper than Marcus Rashford. These are our midfielders and they can't win the ball back against City. But here, no, it's Marcus Rashford's fault because he didn't run back two, three times. What? And Diogo Delo for that, that goal, Alan's header. My God. Dello wasn't even in the screen when the ball ended up in the net. He hadn't run back. So you talk about a lad that doesn't track back and gets played out of position. Dallo is shocking. But he scored that wonder goal. And it makes for a good highlight. And people think, oh, right, duo, oh, Dallo is actually a credible right back. Please watch the game for 90 minutes and look at that lad's passing and his lack of ability to influence a game. It isn't just Rashford and Fernandes, 1-11, with the exception of Andre Onana today. Props to Andre Onana. That was another very good performance. The Brilliant. goals are the goals. There's not much I think he could have done. Because um, the players let him excellent
1: down. Excellent saves. It could have been a higher scoreline.
0: But bar him, the manager and the other ten players in that team should hang their heads in shame because that was shocking today. That was completely shocking. And I know we're trying, we're talking about Marcus Rashford, but I just don't see how we're able to hang Marcus Rashford up as like, oh, it's your reason, you're the fault. We're not getting this right. You're the fault. We're not winning.
1: No. I'm not solely pinning on Marcus Rashford, but he's been shocking. He's been very poor.
0: But why, I, why are there calls to drop just him?
1: I think the calls to drop Marcus Rashford is he is a nailed-on starter.
0: So you want him dropped because he's a nailed-on starter? No,
1: stop putting words in my mouth. I want him dropped because he's not contributing enough. I want him dropped because he's very poor. I want him dropped because he's out of form. And if the manager's is thinking behind it is to play him time and time again when he's doing the same stupid mistakes time and time again but running into players, not passing the ball. His de- decision making is shocking at times. So I want him sitting on the bench and take him out, or take, maybe for his own sake, take him out of the firing line.
0: Do we drop Highland? Our striker's not scoring goals, but we're blaming him on the left-winger. Do we drop Highland because he can't score?
1: No, I wouldn't drop him and I'll tell you why. Put him in with another partner. Put him in with a like Garnacho. See how they go. I'm not talking about dropping Rashford indefinitely. I'm just talking about take him out of the game. That's what I'm saying.
0: Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if he did drop Rashford. It would. Because I watched Garnacho play a few times last season when he started and I thought he was poor.
1: Yeah, well, I'm the same. But there's nobody else there.
0: There's not. There's nobody to sort of compete for Marcus Rashford. And I think he knows he is much better than Garnacho at the minute. So he probably does know that he's a nailed on starter. I just don't think it's going to improve anything but then I could be wrong look Garnacho could come in he could click with Heidland and I don't know he could make a fool out of it no
1: I just think Rashford's just frustrating me at the minute
0: oh the, the whole team is frustrating me but I think we're trying to find there's no balance in that team I'd go back to the manager if there's no balance in that team that's the manager's fault that is the manager's entire job I agree to coach with you. the players, to find a balance, to find a way of playing football that wins football games. And because you're at Manchester United, unfortunately, Eric, it has to be attractive. Now, he has had this team together, this group of players, for the whole of last season. And what we've seen was counter attacking football. Now we're into the new season, we're 10 games in a game, and he's trying to play his football, and it's shit. But it's not his fault. Because he's said too much to deal with and he's had injuries.
1: Now you have just been snarky.
0: I am. Because I want to know what the game plan is from this man moving forwards. And hit hate the sound bites after the City game. We go again. Everybody will be on Instagram tonight. Everybody will be on Twitter tonight. Okay, we, we lost like the City. It. We've been embarrassingly poor the past few games. But don't worry, guys. Because when we get the left back and the right back back, it's all going to change. Get fucked. I think it will. Not a chance. Well... It's a, do you know what? I hope that your optimism is rewarded. It's
1: not being, well, it is being optimistic, but massively. It's not being overly optimistic, right? But I think that Shaw and Aaron Van bissaka will make a huge difference. Martin is—he's not back until next year, apparently. Varane, mm-hmm. That's I don't know what's happened blow. to
0: him. That's Martin is such a mess. It's the one injury where I can sort of see, yeah. Do you know what? That would make a massive difference because I don't think Sergio Rahulian is a bad left back. Playing Victor Lindelof his left back was a bad decision. So that again, I'm going to label at the manager store. Scambus. Could you look at
1: our our um injury injury list so far? Right. You have that left side Shaw out and last out, and then we had but um, Regulan apparently uh, he's carrying um, some sort of injury as well. Yeah, and like it's just it's been. Unprecedented, I think, but our defence has just been decimated.
0: Yeah, but Rehulion is a left back. Yes. Right, and he didn't play today for Victor Lindelof.
1: But that's what I'm saying, right? You have apparently Mason Mount isn't 100% fit, right? Apparently. Um, Why are they in the squad then? Uh, don't. But Amrabat, they have to uh, manage his back injury. Ridiculous, I know. Absolutely ridiculous. It
0: screams of just excuses now. It does.
1: But listen to me. So, and who else is here? Regulon isn't 100% fit either. So why are they on the pitch? Why is the manager even putting them in the squad? But that's why Victor
0: Randall loves playing left-back. But why Why did Rahulian come on? So Rahulian's not fit for 90 minutes. And why did they start the game in Copenhagen? I have no idea. It just screams of clutching at straws to... Try and give this manager some sort of breathing room when he really doesn't deserve it.
1: Well, he doesn't deserve it for his selection today. I do not like Bruno Fernandez playing on the right. I've said that numerous times. His best position is number 10 behind the forward line. And that's where he is more effective. The amount Ericsson Fernandez trident today was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, his decision to take off Sophie Amrabat to put on Mason Mount and I don't think Sophie Amrabat was having a particularly good game but he's a holding midfielder. He holds midfield. You had Scott McTominay playing as a 10 in the first half and you had Christian Eriksen deeper with Sophie Amrabat. Then you take Amrabat off and you have Scott to hold for Christian Eriksen to try him up front and, you know what I mean, he puts Mason Mount on it. What the... What is he doing?
1: Like? At, at times in that match in that second half though, Rory, Scott McTominay was not sitting holding midfield he was further up the pitch. We had no holding midfielder for long stretches of that game in the second half. That's why I said he ran right through us at times. But he chose to do that. But you look at um, Erling Haaland's goals. You look at the space and the time that he got. Yeah. And that was down to Johnny Evans.
0: Peeling off from the uh, the centre back to score his header Diogo Dallas the right back. He was nowhere in sight. McGuire and Evans, I don't know, pedestrian, came to ball watch. And Harry McGuire and made an awful gaffe in the first half. And I thought, right, there's a mistake out of him. That's fine. But Harry McGuire, he was all right in patches again today, but they just could not compete at all with Man City.
1: No, but you're coming up against, as you said, the best football club in the world. That was always going to happen with McGuire and Evans and in love. You know, you, that was, (coughs) excuse me, and I think he set up that way. Because it was all hands to the pump.
0: But if we can all see that and the manager can't, how are we still sitting discussing whether this man's the right man for the job or not? You're playing Man City at Old Trafford, right? And he decided that, no, I'm not going to go with Rahulian in Varane. Um, You say Rahulian has a knock. I I can't swallow that because he shouldn't be on the squad then. If he's in the squad, he's fit enough to play. And what you do there then, any decent normal manager would start the left back. And if the left back gets into trouble with the injury, then you bring the left back off. Not start a centre back and left back only to bring the left back on when you realise that it hasn't worked. His decision making is awful. Suspect. His tactics. His in-game tactics. brutal. His coaching. I have real questions about what is he doing on the training ground? What way does he have these players set up? You know?
1: What? War zone out there.
0: My sense of gunshots actually. Which could be your another not but. Um... You know what I mean? He's he's consistently failing and he's consistently getting things wrong but we're still saying, you know what, it's uh, it's injuries and I, I just think can't stomach it anymore. I, I just don't, don't think he's good enough and I think he's going to go. He will go when Jim comes in. Jim gets him. I
1: think we're eking out results at the minute against what you would term inferior teams. We can't really term inferior teams against United You know this season because we are one of the inferior teams but... That's the style of play. It's not entertaining.
0: It's awful to watch. It's frustrating. Do you know, Doomsday could be around the corner for Eric Tonhag because I looked at the fixture list earlier and he has to play Newcastle now in the Carabao Cup during the week. Then he goes away to Fulham, which won't be an easy game with mm-hmm. United playing so poorly. And then he has his return game against Copenhagen because the Carabao Cup has been played this week and not the Champions League. If he loses to Newcastle, he's out of the Carabao Cup. If he loses to Copenhagen, he's effectively out of the Champions League. Wouldn't and if he loses team. to Fulham, they slip into the bottom half of the table. So he could be sitting in the bottom half of the table, out of the Champions League, and out of the cup that we thought that he would have the most success in. He would be doing very, very, very well to make a case for himself to stay if anybody comes in and as a new for his head over that one. Well, I, I hope it doesn't happen. He does seem like an age monitor. He's just not good enough, in my opinion.
1: It's, but I've seen him now in interviews and um, he's not that that sort of cocky you know, Dutch man giving the blunt answers and stuff. He seems a bit lost at the minute.
0: But it's very hard for anybody in a manager's position to do what you are used to, right? See at Ajax, he would have done the same things that he's doing at United week in, week out, right? With that group of players. And he would have been trying to instill his philosophy and trying to instill his game plan, and it worked. So he knows in the back of his head that there's success to be had in his methods. Now, that then translates into the Premier League, and you come over and you do the exact same thing that you did with Ajax, but there's also situational differences to be taken out of that what happened at Ajax is not going to instantly translate to Manchester United and make Manchester United a better football team and we're seeing that now on the pitch but is he going to elaborate to the straight? No, he's not because he believes that these methods are the methods to get success of this football team and And what we're seeing is failure
1: that has brought success in the Eredivisie it's not going to bring success in the Premier League.
0: It's not. Those tactics that he's trying to instill in Manchester United, he can have some of the best players in the world, which he kind of does. Bruno Fernandes and some of the players that we have at our squad. We, we have a good squad. They're not going to win you the Premier League. It's not the style of football that suits the Premier League because Premier League teams are brilliantly set up by the managers and the quality of the, the opposition that you're going to play. So if you think they're knocking the ball around your defence and your midfielder dropping in deep is going to prompt Premier League teams to chase the ball with you and leave openings and make mistakes and let you move them out of positions then you're fucking mad mate that's not going to happen we are not good enough at passing the ball at the minute to even attempt that but he's trying it and he's trying to play it and it's failing and now he's cutting the frustrated figure because he's looking at it going why is this not working it has to be the players it has to be you know it can't be me because you look at Ajax my math is work and that'll what that's what ultimately will get him sacked the fact that he keeps persevering with this game plan and these tactics, and we know in our head and hearts, it's not good enough. And it never will be good enough.
1: Well, i said it before and i will say it again, like a broken record. I will give him a chance when he has all the personnel, when he has all the players back, especially that back line.
0: I really hope you're right. I am. <laughs> Look, I think, I think you're massively wrong. I don't think giving this man anything is going to be good enough to get him playing. And if it comes to January and we're still flailing about in 50-50, I see Jim Ratcliffe replacing him. I don't know who he replaces him with. That's a conversation for another day. But I can definitely see our Haag getting sacked. I don't think he's a good enough coach. He's a brilliant manager. Very good at press conferences. Very good at managing those aspects. Very good at being a disciplinarian. But as a coach, a man who goes out and gets the best out of his players, gets them playing a certain style, no, nowhere near good enough to play Manchester United. I'm shocked at how poor he is, actually. Well, I'm shocked
1: at how poor the team is. But then again, I'll go back to the back line, like a broken record, again, when that back line is... <sighs> Partnerships have to be formed all over the pitch, we know that, but especially that defensive line that's when you you have to have strong partnerships.
0: How can I form a partnership with one of my players if he keeps chopping and changing the squad selection? If he never sticks with like who but who plays for Manchester bro- against Copenhagen? Do you think you can name the team? That right, plays Copenhagen? right. I'm going
1: to say something now. If Varane was dropped because Varane can play twice a week, right, and if Varane can only play once a week, right, use him as the auxiliary defence defender. Sorry, play Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans, or Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof. Until all those players are back. But stop
0: chopping and changing that back line. He said it was tactical. He chose to play that defence today and said it was tactical. His because words.
1: he wasn't playing out from the back. Because he, the our defenders were sitting deeper. Who
0: in their right mind... Leaves Raphael Varane on the bench to play Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans. Now we tried to make the argument, the other, or I tried to make the argument the other night, rather, that Harry Maguire is now the third choice starting centre-back for Manchester United. But based on the biggest game of the season against our biggest rivals, he seems to think Varane is. What sort of moron does that?
1: No, no other
0: manager in the world would play Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire at centre-back today and leave Raphael Varane on the bench. When you have Erling Holland and Edson Alvarez to face. And Johnny Evans looked like a pedestrian for the third goal. The shot meant he was ball watching He's and shocking. it ends up in the back of the net. Does Rafael Varane do that? Probably not. Like, do you see what I'm saying? He, he makes these decisions. We can't turn around and say that these are the excuse reasons why he'd thought, well, oh, maybe Raphael Varane can't play it twice. Are we? Well, then come out and say that instead of making a fool out of yourself and saying, oh, it's tactical, it's tactics. It's tactics. Yeah, well, it, the tactics look pretty shit. Mm. You know, it was far far away from what we expected to see. But, yeah, it is what it is today. It was really, really poor. Really, really hard to take. Possession in that second half
1: Oh, the stats are damning. Oh, my they God. They put it up in the sky, and they're absolutely damning. And he had Christian Eriksen. He's seven shots in goal, I think, and three um, on target.
0: That's madness. And you look at the players that he has on that team. Mount, Fernandez, Christian Eriksen. Them three were on the pitch together today. All famed for their technical ability and their ability to find pass and, and their ability to quickly move in triangles and stuff like that. I didn't see it once.
1: But there's too many of them, because they're running into one another. Probably. They're taking up each other's position.
0: But who chose to do that the manager I know I sound like broken record but Mm -hmm. you live and die by your own decisions in management he is making mistake after mistake after mistake whether it be before the game or in the game
1: oh the box stops with him definitely
0: yeah so it would be interesting to see how United get on now moving forward do you have a hero from today (laughs) it's hard to pick Andrew Nana.
1: Oh yeah, I would give it to Andre. Another
0: good performance from Andre and Anna. Another one that I think he'll take a tremendous amount of confidence from. Oh, he made some fracking saves. He really did. Some really impressive saves. Uh, Zero. The rest of them. Yeah. There's too many to point out. Yeah. Nobody apart from the goalkeeper was good today. Nobody. Huyvelyne tried, but I don't know. I think Roy team was right. It's not a very nice thing to say, but if he does what Rodri does and he takes full advantage of the situation and he goes down, you that's should've. a penalty. And John Stones is in trouble because he's impeded the goal-scoring opportunity. It was a penalty in a red card. Yeah, it was. No. But I suppose, I have to say, I don't like simulation in any... Well, I form, don't like so
1: simulation, right? And I'm much older than But it's all part of the game now. It is. And you have to be cute and play the game.
0: It is. Yeah. Uh, and off the back of that, the Copenhagen game. Oh, I don't Do you think, think he makes ma- wholesale changes because of today's performances? I think he's going to have to. Do you think he actually will drop Fernandes in Rashford? And what did you think of Roy Keane's comments after the game where Roy Keane said that Bruno Fernandes is not uh, Manchester United captain? I think Keane uh, alluded to the crying and the throwing his hands the up and the tantrums that he throws in the pitch. Um and I made this point to you. It's a bit of a I don't know, I guess, but I honestly think that Bruno Fernandez's attitude and behaviour influences the referees and the decisions that go don't go our way in a really negative way. I think referees don't want to give Bruno Fernandez anything. Not Manchester United, because there is a sort of thought process out there at the minute that we get all of the bad decisions go against us, nobody wants to give us stuff. But I think that's because he's a really hateful character to officials. I don't think that nobody in the Premier League would like to officiate that one because he's a yap. So do you know what? The human element comes into it where I am taking so much guff and grief from a lad and I'm sitting up with him. I don't want the decision to go his way.
1: I think Bruno Fernandes is the ultimate Mr. Marmite. You yeah. either love him or you don't. You hate him. Well, it's a very strong word, of course. But dislike him intensely. He really is. This whining and moaning is... I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but it is detrimental to some of the decisions we're getting of late. It.
0: it is. Like, it's poor to think that the referees would actually go against that player here. and, you know, that they would make these decisions. And I'm not saying that they do. I'm just saying, in my opinion, that he does influence the officials in a negative way that people don't want to give Manchester United decisions or they don't like giving Manchester United decisions because from the get-go, that lad is yapping and crying. And I think what Roy Keane was trying to say is there is a way to communicate and a way to show leadership. Um, and he did do it in certain circumstances, like Bruno Fernandes. He was running the back he was trying to be busy. But it doesn't have to be in that... You know exasperated sort of flailing about the place and crying and the yapping and the constant oh my god the constant yapping I think Keane was trying to say look if you're going to communicate with your teammates hold your head a bit don't be yapping and crying at people try to be a leader and try to give a bit of instruction. Well, see and this a bit is of- it
1: and leaders and captains are supposed to set the example and it's not a very good example for everybody else on the pitch it's especially not. for petulant players like Anthony yeah now, and younger players when they see your captain Being a clown at times.
0: Yeah. Do you think he should be captain? If not, who Who, would you give it to? Yeah, that's it. Who would you give it to? Um, Do you know, off the back of last season, they would have given it to Casemiro. I know he's only been in the the club one season, but I really thought that him... I don't
1: think is going to be in for
0: any
1: length of time. I think um, either next season... Or definitely the season after he would be gone. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Uh,
0: well, there's, there's two reasons I could see him leaving. First is, if Erickton Hague stay. I would give
1: it to Martinez.
0: Yeah, Martinez be a good shout. Martinez be a really yeah. good shout. He's combative, but he, he commands respect. Mm-hmm. In that team, because he's and there. And he leads by
1: example. Bruno Fernandes is a really, really good player. And on his day, he's one of the best in the world at what he does. But he's very... This season, not for Portugal. He plays really well for Portugal. But he's got an endless amount of time around him, you know, that Portuguese side. But he's been so inconsistent this season. Yeah. And when we are losing matches, he just seems to lose his head. Yeah. Now that is not captain material. Not for me.
0: No. Not at all. Uh, yeah. For me I, I would drop him but I do see the point. Like who's maybe we give it to him. Um, a damning statistic came made after the Manchester United match today. This is really hard to swallow. Manchester United have now lost as many home games in the years following Alex Ferguson's retirement as Alex Ferguson managed to lose in 26 years of Manchester United that is how far the that's standards de- that's depressing yeah that is how far Manchester United are away from the standards Sir Alex Ferguson said like that's it it shows you how incredible that man was as a manager mm. and his ability but he was a brilliant coach I'm not, not going to harp back into Eric and Hay because we spent so much time on it but he was a brilliant coach first and he got the best out of Teams that didn't deserve to be. But he where they wasn't work.
1: afraid to pull players off when that needed to be pulled off at times.
0: He was also very good at picking talents and going out and finding players, which our manager seems to be shocking at. Based off our number seven sitting on the bench today, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. So Copenhagen, are you expecting changes in the personnel, and are you expecting changes in the performance? Hopefully both,
1: but I think as. Man United supporter, I'm resigned to being disappointed.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. I think there is that. You, I kind of built myself up and allowed some sort of confidence to eat again today that something would come in this game, there'd be a turning point. And now I'm sitting here and I just think, what what was what a lot of it? Why did I but, even allow myself what's... to think that they could turn up against Man City after how poor they've been from the start of this year? It's hard not to be negative at the minute.
1: But there's a real big dose of apathy setting in it, setting in as well.
0: The booing is the first sign that a manager is going to get sacked. If you the, look, but they're
1: not just booing; they're booing individual players.
0: They are, but they're booing the collective performances as well. Yeah. And social media at the minute is awash with.
1: Oh thank God, I'm not in social media. Tim Haggard,
0: media. yes, I'm not there obviously today. The channel is, a podcast is, so we get to see snippets from other people and a lot of fallout points out there. Um, yes, it's going to be overtly negative now that that performance has come in, but a lot of people are making a lot of fallout points in terms of individual players and managers and how they're getting on. So that's going to wrap us up. We'll be back uh, for the Copenhagen game. Get another episode of uh, Family Therapy and we'll got time to settle and stew and defuse. Yeah. Personally, I'm going to pretend that didn't happen today. It's the only way that I can go forward as a Manchester (laughs) United (laughs) fan.
1: We're all delusional.
0: (laughs) So thanks for listening. Give the social media pages a wee like, folks. Again, DM me any criticism or feedback. There's actually been a few people who got in touch with me and give you some pointers um, on what they like and what they don't like on the podcast. And anything like that is massively helpful. So talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone.